Welcome everyone to Celtic Preacher Podcast 37 and today we're going to be looking at courage. We're going to be looking at courage you know and courage isn't about not having fear. Courage is having fear or having apprehension but moving forward Anyway, and we're looking at a short passage in Scripture this morning. We're in Luke 13, verses 31 to 35, and it's a very short passage that shows us what courage looks like. And uh, we're going to be looking at how Jesus deals with bullies or enemies. And I'm going to show you how Jesus lived his life and of course the idea is is that he encourages us to follow me you can do it follow me so the the context is this for the passage Jesus of course had many enemies many people were threatened by him particularly the religious leaders which is ironic right so it's the pastors that are the most threatened because they don't want to change and they like things the way they are. So Jesus had many enemies and many people would have preferred him to keep quiet and go away. But one of his most powerful enemies was the tyrant King Herod. Now Herod was the ruler of Galilee, the area that Jesus lived in. And one of Herod's desires was to really kind of keep the locals quiet. Remember, he lived, Jesus lived in an occupied land. Ancient Rome had taken over the known world at that time. And they had taken over Israel. And Herod's desire was to keep the locals quiet, have them pay their taxes, not complain about being an occupied land, not uh, complain about being occupied by an invading army, so that he could carry on with his life of ease and luxury and he's building projects and he was known, by the way, to have a lavish lifestyle. Now, Herod was a tyrant and history tells us that it was safer to be Herod's pig than it was his son because this is he was just a murderous t- tyrant. Anyone that stood in his way, anyone that got in the way, that was just executed. That was the end of it. So he was a powerful enemy. And on this particular day, the text tells us that a group of Pharisees came to Jesus and told him that Herod was after him, meaning that he was out to kill him, which is no idle threat. Now, I don't know if you've ever had a bully in your life, but one thing that bullies do very, very well is threaten you. If you've ever had a boss at work, you know it can be a miserable existence if the boss is a bully. I had one myself. Actually, I've had a couple. The worst one was uh, during my internship. It ain't happened to be a pastor. But some of you might have been married or partnered with a bully and uh, you feel like you're walking on eggshells. Maybe you had a parent that was a bully. And you never know when rage will erupt. And bullies come in all shapes and sizes, 
from the frail, elderly, bedridden woman to the teenage boy, right? Uh, the, the thing that they have in common is, is that they love to control, they love power, and it takes a lot of courage to deal with a bully because it requires that you don't back down. And this is what Jesus models for us in this passage when he's threatened. He doesn't back down. He moves on ahead as planned. And we can learn a lot from Jesus when we look at how he deals with his enemies, when he, when, how he deals with people that are against him. Now, I know. let me say something on enemies, because I know that many of us would say, well, I don't really have an enemy. I mean, I have people in my life I don't like, or I have people in my life that have hurt me, or I find them irritating and annoying, but I don't exactly have an enemy like King Herod. So you might think initially, looking at how Jesus deals with enemies isn't really helpful for me today. But in the New Testament, when the scripture speaks about enemies, especially in St. Paul's writings, enemies aren't necessarily other people. Now, if you want to do more reading on this, you can read Ephesians 6, not the easiest of passages if the scripture isn't familiar to you. But in the New Testament, when the scripture speaks about having an enemy, it's not necessarily a person at all. An enemy is something that tries to harm you. It's something that is unwelcome. An enemy is something that's unwelcome in your life. In fact, if you read the Psalms, and when you read the Psalms, you'll hear a lot about, God, protect me from my enemies, or my enemies surround me on every side. And you might just put the book down because you might think, you know what, I don't have any enemies. This doesn't make any sense to me. What's very helpful is when you're reading the Psalms is a slight interpretation as just a slight turn in an interpretation makes all the difference in the world. Don't think of an enemy as a person. Think about it as something that is unwelcome in your life. It could be a reaction. Why do I get so defensive when this person uh, walks into the room or this person calls me or emails me? Why is that? That's like an enemy in the sense that it's unwelcome. You want to deal with it. You want to be rid of it. Um, you could say I'm my own worst enemy, meaning nobody makes me do anything. I, I do it myself. An enemy could be low self-esteem. It could be addiction. It could be a struggle. It could be anxiety. It could be something that you battle with silently. An enemy. It's really helpful when you read the Psalms and they talk about enemies if you start to think about an enemy as something that is harming you and that is taking life away from you. Loneliness could be an enemy. Fear of the future could be an enemy. Feeling A feeling of inadequacy. These are all spiritual matters, right? These are all things that... God specializes in, right? We all have different things that threaten us, different situations that feel oppressive, uh, situations that feel heavy or taxing or make us apprehensive or hesitant to move ahead in some way. Most of us can relate 
to that kind of enemy or threat. So that's really what we're talking about this morning when we speak about dealing with enemies or bullies. Or So it might be helpful to substitute the word unwelcome for enemy when you're, when you're, using, when you're reading the scripture. And St. Paul, of course, he had many enemies, not just people. And again, he said, St. Paul said, this is from 2 Corinthians 7, I know what it's like to have no rest. Paul said, I know what it's like to have no rest, harassed at every turn, conflicts on the outside and fears within. He's saying, yeah, I have fears within. Why? Because he had troubles, he had enemies. So all the greats of the scripture, it's not like Paul and Jesus and John the Baptist were without troubles. But it seems that they all accessed a deep inner courage that kept them on task and kept them moving forward no matter what. We need this. We really need courage to live in this world, don't we? At every age, every stage of life, has its various challenges, and we need to access courage. Well, let's take a look at the passage here. It's really simple and straightforward. Jesus is told by some religious leaders that Herod is out to get him, and I want to read Jesus' response to the threat in verse 32. So some leaders come up to him and say, hey, Herod's out to kill you. And Jesus answers, verse 32, go tell that fox from me, Listen, I'm casting out demons and performing cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I finish my work. That's like saying, you don't scare me. I know why I'm here. I'm exposing what's wrong. I'm bringing healing to the sick and the broken. I'm about my father's business. I'm about God's will, and I will finish the work that I have come to do, and you will not put me off track in any way. You tell that old fox from me, I'm carrying on doing what I'm doing. That takes a strong sense of direction and purpose in life. Jesus had a strong sense of direction and purpose and identity, all really important things. I know who I belong to. I know why I'm here. I know what I'm to do. I'm about the Father's business. It's like, get out of my way. I'm about the Father's business. Don't get in my way. And many people don't have this. You know, we can become fragmented. We can get pulled in too many directions and not sure what to do. We can end up living for other people and not sure what to do. Just doing things, you know, that others want us to do. It's actually, that's a good question for us. Do I end up spending time and energy on things or people or situations that I really have no interest in? That's a good spiritual reflection question, isn't it? Am I spending my life involved with things or people that when I get right down to it, they're not enriching, they're not life-giving, they're not satisfying, I'd really rather be doing something else. Well, 
Whatever that something else is, why am I not doing it? Right? I have one life. What's stopping me from living it to the fullest? This is what Jesus was all about. I've come that you might have life and have abundantly. It's like, well, Jesus, don't you think that we have abundant life? No. He's saying, no, you don't. You don't have abundant life. That's why I've come. Now follow me. Follow me into abundant life. You know, you, you never hear Jesus saying, well, I just can't, can't really do what I want to do. I can't really express my true heart and passion. I can't because Herod wouldn't like it and it's dangerous and it's risky and, you know, I, I can't really be about the father's business. I mean, the hometown folk might misunderstand and think I'm too big for my boots or I don't want to worry my mother or my brothers wouldn't believe me anyway. Uh, you know, he just carried on. You never hear him say, well, I don't know, it's... Like it's causing too much trouble. Maybe I just better look after Dad's carpentry shop. And no, it's not life giving, and it doesn't feed the soul. And I'm bored, and but it's practical, and it pays the bills. I mean, he never lived this way. He never lived this way. He had a strong sense of purpose. The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. He has an agenda. He has a purpose. I'm exposing what's wrong. I'm bringing healing to the nations. And I take direction from my heavenly father, not from the old fox, not from King Herod. Isn't that great? It just struck me this week how important it is to have a sense of direction in life. Otherwise, you end up pleasing the whims and desires of others and you can end up quite empty yourself. I think in some ways this passage, you know, we looked at temptation last week. I think that was number 36 podcast. I think in some ways this, this passage is another temptation passage for Jesus. And I think the temptation here is for Jesus, don't be true to yourself. Don't be true to yourself. A few years ago, I read the book um, by Bill Hybels called um, Who Are You When No One's Looking? And he had a nice quote. It said, we think that courageous people were born without fear. In actuality, courageous people are ordinary people like you and me who begin at some point to face their fears rather than run from them. See, being courageous is not about you know, trying to get rid of not feeling scared. Of course we're going to be scared in this world. There's lots of things to be scared of. It's moving ahead regardless. It takes courage to live with a life-threatening illness or to look after someone who has a life-threatening illness. It takes courage to age well and not end up old and bitter and isolated. It takes courage to work through grief and love again. It takes courage to go through a divorce and not end up bitter and angry. It takes courage to build good, strong, lasting friendships that last a lifetime. What a gift. 
to have someone that you can be completely transparent with and real, no hiding, no pretend, pretending, true friends. That takes courage. That takes courage. Uh, it's like my friend said, you know, she says, you know, all my years in church, all my years in Bible studies, and I have no one I could call at 3 a.m. in the morning if I had to. It's like, why? Well, because people don't want to go there. They don't want that kind of intimacy. It scares them because it takes vulnerability to have a true friend. Easier to talk about the weather, right? Easier, a lot lonelier. It takes courage to make up your own mind and have your own thoughts and have your own convictions. People are full of opinions on how you should live your life. People can be full of advice. Some of you have experienced this with a husband or a wife or a family member, maybe even a close friend. They're forever telling you what to do and how to do it. It's like having a running commentary on your life. Yeah, it's not helpful. It's like we need to withdraw, regain a sense of self. Who am I? What is God asking of me? Never mind people. What is God asking of me? It's like, God, what, how do you want me to live? What do you think? What do you think? What's the way forward here? What's the best way? What job should I take? Where should I live? Guide me. I'm following you, first and foremost. Everything else is secondary. When we have an inner conviction that we're truly serving God, when we have an inner conviction that we're on the right path, it doesn't necessarily mean the path's easy, but we do have a sense of purpose and direction, and that gives us an inner strength because we're not pulled in multiple directions. We know the course, we know the path. And it doesn't matter whether I'm at home looking after the children or I'm at work or I'm with my colleagues or I'm making decisions about my future or I'm with my grandchildren. Whatever we're doing, Jesus would say, I'm about the Father's business. And by the way, he said that when he was 12 years old. By the time he's 12 years old, Jesus knows where he's going and he has confidence in his heavenly Father. That gave him courage. John the Baptist had confidence in God too. He, that gave him courage. All the greats in scripture follow this pattern. Remember David and Goliath from Sunday school? It's the same thing. Young David. Young David said to Goliath, you come against me, Goliath, with sword and spear, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. Meaning, I'm not coming against you in my own confidence. I don't have it by myself but I know that God's with me. Yeah. Where did young David get his courage? He knew he was not alone. He knew God was with him. Jesus said, take courage. I have overcome the world and you're with me. We're together in this. What a great line. Take courage. I have overcome the world. The word courage in the original language in New Testament Greek, tharseo, it means to dare. It means to be bold. 
It means to trust. It means to move ahead in spite of fear. Take courage, he says. I've overcome the world and you're with me. What a great promise. That's amazing. What a great promise. I mean, it's enough. It's enough. There's the heart cry. There's the prayer. God, yes. I want to take courage because you are with me and because I am not alone. And I'm walking with you. And you're my friend. And you are with me. Hold on to that. What a wonderful promise. Well, thank you for joining me. You've been listening to Celtic Preacher, looking at the wisdom of Jesus for the 21st century. And I will be back again next week with another episode. Join me then.